Have you ever had to face a bear? No. That wouldn't be very fun, would it? No, but David was protecting his sheep. I bet he even named some. Jerry, Marble, Cardble, Kirby! My name is Deanna, and you're listening to Rise. Now, before we get started, I wanted to take a second to introduce myself in case maybe this is your first time listening. I am your typical Proverbs 31 woman. Do you know what that is? That means I have lots of hats. Some people have said, hey, you know what? You shouldn't wear that many hats, but sometimes you got to walk in the ways that the Lord has called you to walk. You have to do the things that the Lord has called you to do. And when you have capacity to do more, when you can be trusted with a little, He is going to trust you with much. And, and to whom much is given, much is required. And so you do it with this like passion and love and this, oh my goodness, Thank you, God, that you are with me in everything that I do, that you bless the work of my hands. So I happen to homeschool my kids. I happen to sell real estate. That's fun. And I happen to be in ministry. I happen to teach acting classes. But you know what? None of those things define me. You know what defines me? Is that I have a Lord and Savior who loves me and thinks I was worth dying for. And he thinks the same thing about you. So let's dive in. There's a verse in Proverbs that goes, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. With the current climate of our society, a society trying to push God out of the picture. Of course there is anxiety and of course there's depression. Today we're going to talk about anxiety and how to overcome it. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. It's not, oh, well, it's all about me because when that's the case, all of the hard things you are facing, it's all in your own strength and from your own resources rather than doing it with the Lord by your side with his unlimited resources and power and promises to work all things out for your good. And I would venture to say that each one of us has had an experience with anxiety at one point or another. Sometimes when we have gotten our eyes off of Jesus and started looking at the storm, I know for me that if I'm short with my children as we're trying to get out the door, I'm probably coming from a place of anxiety where it all relies on me getting us out the door. And if we are late, it's like the world is going to end, which isn't true, right? It's going to be fine. If you know me, you know that I've had this ongoing struggle with getting places on time since I was six years old, and I've gotten much better. But I have to be very intentional. So throw two kids in the mix (laughs) and it can get a bit hard at times. Oh, and then you get in the car and you say, how on earth did it take us an hour to leave? These moments when I find myself struggling and striving and upset and frustrated, you can bet I have my eyes off of Jesus and now I'm looking at the storm or the clock. But when my eyes are on Jesus and not on the storm, I know that he has gone before me and he has made the crooked places straight, that he perfects that which concerns me, that my times are in his hands. And I don't need to come from a place of worry, a place of scarcity of time, uh, time scarcity. No, God has it all under control. So you see, yours might look different. It might have been a moment when everyone was talking all at once and you're just trying to have your own thought. Or perhaps you burnt the lasagna in the oven You just open it up. There's smoke everywhere. Guests are about to arrive. Walk through that door any moment. And now it's all filled up with smoke. Okay, that's never really happened to me. But you know what? You get my point. What happens 
is we are concerned about me at those moments. And we forget that he has promised that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. That he works all things out for our good. We forget that we are in a kingdom where when it's working properly, when we're walking with kingdom-minded friends or family, that we and they are called to love in such a way where everyone is looking out for the needs of the other. A way of walking where you know as you walk, there's someone going to catch your every step. There's one who has your back. And if it's not them, if for whatever reason man is having an imperfect day, well, we still have a God. We have a mighty God looking out for our needs and our best interest. That can be hard to remember as hail hits you in the face. So this message is for every one of us. Just some of us and to a different degree. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the word of God bears repeating because sometimes we forget it. John 10.10, 10, and Jesus says that the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But we allow ourselves to get all up in a tissy over the circumstances around us. We give the opportunity to the destroyer to steal our joy. Mm-mm. But when we listen to the next part of that, when we keep our eyes on Jesus, the one who came to give us not just eternal life, but life more abundantly, life and then some, Psalm 103.2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You see, there are benefits of walking with God. Now, we're not just like, Hey God, I'll be your friend if you bless me. But we love God because he first loved us and then everything else is just the icing on the cake. It goes on to list some of them. Psalm 103 verses 3 through 5. Who forgives all of your inequities or sins. Who heals all of your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Isaiah 26 3 says you keep him in perfect peace whose eyes are stayed on you because he trusts in you. We see this play out as Jesus is walking on the water one night and his disciples are in the middle of the water and they are struggling to steer. Remember now, some of these guys are experienced fishermen. They've seen everything, but they've never seen a man walking on the water. So they're freaked out. And Jesus just says, "Mm, don't be afraid. It's me. And Peter opens up his mouth before he can think twice. And he says in response, if it is you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says one word, come. And that one word was all it took. Peter hops out of the boat and is walking on the water to meet Jesus. What? But he takes his eyes off of Jesus for a minute and looks around him at the wind and the waves, at the storm. And he starts to lose his footing. He starts to sink. Psalm 37, 23 through 24 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Peter calls out to Jesus. Jesus reaches out his hand and pulls him up, and immediately they're at the boat. Peter himself goes on to tell us in 1 Peter 5, 7 through 8, how to deal with anxiety, casting all of your care or anxiety on him, God. For he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9 says, resist him. James 4, 7 says, resist him. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. 
So if you are too busy looking at the cares of this world and, and all of those things that cause anxiousness, then how are you in a position to be sober, be vigilant, be watchful? No, you're distracted and you're a prime target. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. What is he using? He's using anxieties, the cares of this world to hold you down. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, do not worry about a thing. Do not worry about anything, but pray about everything. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 25 through 33, Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is life not more important than food and the body more important than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. They don't have a pantry. They don't have a refrigerator. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Can you make yourself taller because you worried? I heard this uh, saying that goes, worry is like a rocking chair. You don't get anywhere. Let's go on. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory, he wasn't dressed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today is and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? Or what will we wear? For after these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added to you. David could have been overcome by fear, just like everybody else in the face of the giant. They were all trembling. But instead, well, you know what, actually, to help us with that story today, I've invited my own little giant slayer, Oliver, to remind us of how that went down. How David trusted God, even in the face of great adversity. Hi, I'm Oliver, the giant slayer. Did you know God can do anything? That's why I want to tell you the story of David and Goliath. So once there was a boy named David. Did you know he got anointed king? But before that, he was a shepherd boy. How crazy is that? He got anointed king and a shepherd boy? So there's these guys called the Philistines, you know? So the, the um, Israelites um, go to face him. And then... They've been gone for several days or months, maybe even years. So David set out to give them food because Jesse told them Jesse is their father. David had seven big brothers. So he gives them food and then he sees Goliath. He goes to tell the king that he says, I will fight Goliath. King Saul tried to make him wear armor. He takes off the armor. He says, I have my own weapon. Then he leaves the King Saul's camp. And 
for seven days, Glywis keeps saying, "Who will fight me?" And David finally said, "I will fight you." And Glywis said, "Ha ha ha! Are you a dog that sends sticks at me?" Well, David got five smooth stones from the river, and Glywis didn't know. He gets a slingshot. He throws his slingshot, and then the rock lands in the middle of his forehead. It sank it. I'm serious. It sank in. He, David, the shepherd boy, gets Goliath's sword, and he cuts off his head. He. That's right. He cuts off Goliath's head. Oliver, can you tell me something? How did David get that kind of faith—the faith to believe that God would keep His promise? Because God can do anything. David also said to the king, "He killed lions and bears. He's a giant slayer, just like me." Thank you, Ollie. I love your take on that story. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. You know, anxiety can come in disguise as other things as well. Sometimes it's complacency or a do nothingness, or a depression, a numbness, a separation, a withdrawal from people or things, perhaps that you normally enjoy. And those are the times we need to not isolate ourselves. Remember that the enemy is walking around like a prowling lion, seeking whom he may devour, looking for that. Hey, that sheep over there—he's alone, easy target, right? But when we come on over to the group, we are no longer alone, but protected, stirred up, and reminded of the faithfulness of God. Hebrews ten twenty five says, "And let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, uh, or getting together, like some have gotten in the habit of doing. But instead, let us encourage one another with words of hope. But even more so, as we see the day approaching." We need to be in community, healthy community, people who are speaking life over us themselves and others, not the, not the people that are like gossiping and talking bad about other people. That should be a clue right there that they might not talk great about you when you're not around, right? A people who are not walking in sin purposely and pretending they have none. If that's in a church, well, then it's hypocritical, right? If you encounter that, don't give up on God. Not all people are like that. And churches are full of imperfect people. <laughs> but when it's outside the church, then it's prideful and a lie for them to live in sin and say they have none. Sometimes they don't know that they have sin, right? Sometimes they don't know the bad news. But you need to get yourself connected to a godly people. Proverbs thirteen twenty says, "He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed." Hang out with the right crowd, because we are not supposed to do life alone. Ecclesiastes four nine says, two are better than one because they have good return for their labor." For if one falls down, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to help him up. Sometimes we need to be encouraged. Ephesians five nineteen says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making a melody in your heart to the Lord. Sometimes we need to laugh together. I love putting on funny cat videos, or we'll sometimes watch old America's funniest home videos and laugh together as a family. So much fun. Do not listen to the voice of the enemy, but tune your ears to what the shepherd says. The sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Jesus is the good shepherd. Psalm thirty-seven, thirty-nine. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. 
Psalm 34, 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Psalm 118, 5 through 6, I called on the Lord in my distress and the Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what can man do to me. Daniel eleven thirty two tells us that the people who know their God shall be mighty and carry out great exploits. When we spend time with God, when we get to know him, when we keep our eyes on God, we are strengthened. This I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, who takes on a whole new meaning. Hey, hey, I'm leaning into him and his strength and his spirit. First John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment or torment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Now, I, I just want to address something that just came up. The fear of the Lord versus fear of living in fear, afraid to leave your house or afraid to get on stage, etc. Those are different kinds of fear, okay? The fear of the Lord is this reverence, this awe, this Lord. <laughs> you take the cake. You are the top guy. Like there is no one else above you. This reverence, this respect, right? But this other kind of fear, it is not from the Lord. I mean, there's there's healthy fear like, hey, don't touch that oven, it's hot. But there's fear that is nonsense. There's fear that tries to tell you that you're not good enough and that you can't do it. And that, my dear, is a lie. And 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love and power and a sound mind. Remember, remember that same spirit that hovered upon the waters, that same spirit that lived in Jesus, that same spirit that rose Jesus up from the grave and did all those miracles. That spirit lives in me. That's the spirit we have, right? Something you may have heard. Let me just remind you, if you already know, there are 365 days in a year. Okay, so you knew that, right? But did you know this? There are 365 verses in the Bible that remind you to not fear. Look at that. There's one for every single day. Now, I'm not going to include them all and list them all because of time's sake. But if you want that list, you let me know. Proverbs 12.25 says, Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Galatians 6.9 says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. Psalm 27.13, David says, I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord now in the land of the living. See, David believed that God would come through for him here and now, not after he's dead and gets to heaven. No. But he believed that God would be faithful now. That God would be faithful to perfect it. That he would bring it to pass. He believed God. When God says, hey, I'm going to bless you. Hey, I'm going to make a covenant with you, an unbreakable promise. He trusted the character of God. He trusted God meant what he said and would follow through on it. Habakkuk 2.3 says, Though it tarries, it might seem far off. Wait for it. It's on the way. It will certainly come and it will not delay. Then Psalm 27, 14. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You got to know that God is going to come through right now. 
now in the land of the living. I want to encourage you today. If you have been walking about with anxiety as your unwanted roommate, let's look at this. What can you do? What can you do? Is you need to change the narrative. You need to tell a new story. You need to find the lie and say, Nuh-uh, this is what God's word says. Don't lose heart. Keep your eyes stayed on the Lord. Know that you can trust him. He has got your every step. He is going to perfect the things that concern you. He is going to make a way where there is no way. He is going to make the crooked places straight. And he is faithful. You can get out of the boat. You can get out of your comfort zone. You do not have to stay stuck. Now, rise up, take courage, and do it. You've been listening to Rise. Hey, thanks for listening today. Forward this podcast to a friend. Now that you've listened to it, maybe somebody else could use some encouragement too. There you go. Balls in your court.